You can have a seat. Let's give the Lord a round of applause. Even though he does not need our applause, we're just grateful uh, for him, for his presence, and, and just for the fact that we can be here. How are you guys feeling today? You guys feeling good? Yeah? Are your hearts open to hear from the Word of God? I was telling Francis this morning, I'm like, I have an amazing message today. And now I know that puts your expectations very high. And many times when I think my message is going to be amazing, um, it kind of falls on deaf ears. And when I think that my message is going to be terrible, it's like everyone's like, wow, that was an amazing message. So I'm just saying, this message for me, personally, I feel lighter just because of what I feel God spoke into my life. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak uh, the message today, and I just pray that your hearts will be open uh, to be able to hear the Word of God, and not just hear it, but for you to be transformed by God's Word. And so if you're watching online, we're so glad that you're uh, here with us, and uh, you're more comfortable than we are. You're in your pajamas, like Francis says, you're eating your cereal, and we're a little bit jealous, but it's better to be here, right? I mean, I think so, at least. That's why, that's why you know, I'm here. I could be streaming. You guys could be looking at a screen. That'd be kind of weird, right? We won't do that. Don't worry. Don't worry. So if you're here for the first time, we are so, so glad that you've decided to spend this Sunday morning with us. We've, we've said this before. We are a church of wide open doors. Actually, we're a church of no doors because we're not inside yet. But honestly, like this whole idea of, of people coming and looking from the outside and looking at our church and just the, these this openness to be able to receive people inside, I want that to continue outside. And so here's what I'm going to do. If you're here for the first time, I promise you we're not going to make you stand up. We're not going to make you say anything. I'm just going to count to three, and you're going to raise your hand, and you're going to put it right back down. And if you're in any of the cars and you're here for the first time, you're just going to honk your horn. Sound good? And if you're online and you're here for the first time, what do they do, Francis? Like just do like a, like a heart or something like that? Or I mean, just write it? Okay, just write, I'm here for the first time. Okay, so I'm going to count to three, and you're going to raise your hand, put it right back down, or you're going to honk, and we're just going to applaud. Sound good? One, two, three, raise your hand. Put it right back down, all right, over there. God bless you. God bless you. And so here's what I'll say. Our desire is for this to not just be your first time here, but you will make the decision to make Downey First Christian Church your church home, but also that you will make Jesus the Lord of your life. Now, we're not going to do that right now. There's no pressure, but that's our desire because how many of you guys have given your life to Jesus? Okay, of those who raise your hand, how many of you guys feel that that was the best decision of your life? Yes. Marrying my wife is a close second. Close second. But um, it's up there. It's up there. So anyway, uh, super excited uh, to be here. Super excited to be outdoors. Super excited that we can go uh, back inside here pretty soon. Super excited about Good Friday. It's just good. Life is good right now. God is good. And uh, it's a good time. It's a good time to be alive. So we are continuing a series called The Message of Our Worship. And we're talking about worship, and we're talking about the whole idea of the songs that we sing on Sundays, and we're unpacking the content of the songs that we sing on Sunday. Because we see in 1 Corinthians 14, 15, that there was, a, there was this church, and the church was a little chaotic, and there was a lot of things going on. And then the Apostle Paul writes to this church, and he says this, What shall I do? Will I pray uh, with my spirit? Yeah, I pray with your spirit, but also pray with your understanding. Shall I sing with my spirit? Yeah, sing in the spirit, sing with your spirit, but also sing with your understanding. And so we're talking about the whole idea of the songs that we sing on Sunday, and we're unpacking what the meaning of these songs are. So we won't just sing in the spirit, but we'll also sing understanding what it is that we are singing. And so 
Today we're going to talk about one of my favorite songs, and I love this song because, because of the simplicity of it. And the song is Jesus at the Center. Jesus at the Center. So I'm going to start off with a question. Have you ever been corrected by someone else, but corrected in like an embarrassing way? Where you realize like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I said that. So as you guys know, I love my wife, but she loves correcting me in public. One of the things that she loves to do is uh, when, when, you know, we're meeting new people or whatever, and, um, you know, the time comes where they're going to ask the age of our children. And so they'll say, so how old are your kids? And my wife, she loves this. She just waits, and she just looks at me because she knows that I'm going to get it wrong. And so the problem, and I try to justify myself because there's three kids, and the ages always change. So you can't expect for me to memorize the names as they change every year. So she waits. And then I give my best answer, and sometimes I get it right, but then she looks at me and she waits for me to get it wrong, and that way she can correct me in front of others. She does it in a very loving way, but I know that it's coming. So anyway, the reason why I share that is because um, something happened in the, the Catholic Church. This was uh, 500 years ago, and there was this guy, his name was Nicholas Copernicus, and Nicholas Copernicus, um, he did something, and he had, a, he had a theory that was very interesting. Nicholas Copernicus concluded something that seemed to be so preposterous at the time that if he were alive when he proposed what he was proposing, that he might have been killed by the Catholic Church for heresy. Now, it's very interesting because what, what he proposed, what Nicholas Copernicus proposed uh, 500 years ago is actually common now, knowledge today. In fact, if he expressed to you, if I, like if I expressed to you that I believed what was common knowledge 500 years ago, and I expressed that to you right now, like I believe that that is true, you would think that I was joking. So Nicholas Copernicus's outrageous conclusion was this. Some of you guys already know this. His conclusion, his outrageous, preposterous conclusion was this, that the sun was at the center of the solar system. And that was so incredibly strange at the time because before this proposal or this, this hypothesis or this, uh, I think it was a thesis of Nicholas Copernicus, everyone assumed that we were at the center. Like, of course we're at the center. Look, at, look all around you. Everything moves around the center of the earth. So he proposes that. He dies. And then more and more scientists, as time was going by, they started making the same conclusions. Let me ask you a question, and I promise you this is nothing against the Catholic Church, but let me ask you this question. How long do you think that it took the Catholic Church to recognize that he was right? Just shout out a, a number. A hundred years? Four hundred? It took them 350 years to recognize that it, they were right. And so that's crazy to me. And what amazes me the most is that is really two things is one, that he could have been killed for heresy, for proposing something that is now common knowledge, which, by the way, is as absurd as believing that the earth is flat. And don't even get me started on flat earthers, by the way. Some of you guys have heard of him. If you're here, we, we love you, but you're wrong. So number two, number two, that, that was amazing to me is that everyone assumed that just by default, just by default, we're at the center. Like, of course, the earth is the center of everything, right? 
And so I think that this whole idea says a lot just about human nature, about this default assumption that we're at the center. I talked about this um, over a year ago when we were inside. Some of you guys may remember this. We were inside, and I took a picture of the whole church while I was preaching. And then I put that picture on the big screen. And then you guys, I gave you guys a few seconds to look at the big screen, and then I asked you a question. Who were you looking for in the picture? And everyone kind of giggled because we all knew the answer. We were looking for ourselves. Uh, a child, when the first words that a child says, we know this is me, mine, for me, that kind of stuff, because it's all about me. And so the same thing was true in the 1500s. You looked around and you just assumed that everything revolved around the earth. And so what was true for the religious leaders in the 1500s is also true for us as well. You see, you may now be convinced that the earth is not at the center of the universe. And you may understand that you're not supposed to be at the center of your life. But the thing is that sometimes we know things intellectually, but the, the, the idea is that not only that we understand that we shouldn't have our lives revolve around ourselves, but that we should actually live according to that. But here's the problem. I think there's this weird assumption that we make sometimes is that we understand that as followers of Jesus, we need to follow Jesus and how Jesus lived. And so if we follow Jesus, then by default, we have to make the, our lives not about ourselves, but about others. So we should no longer be at the center. Like, we understand that because a lot of us are followers of Jesus. But there's this strange assumption that when we do the things that we need to do, and we don't put us, ourselves first, that our life is somehow going to be not as good. Or it's going to be like a lesser life. Or a life that's going to have less purpose or less exciting. Which is, by the way, a trap of the enemy. Because when you live your life the way you're supposed to live it, guess what? The result of that life is a life that is truly life. So look at John 10.10. 10. It says this, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I, Jesus, have come that they may have life and have it, what? A boring life? No, life to the full. You see, when we follow Jesus, we get this life that is a full life as a result of not making life about ourselves. You see, this is actually an invitation into a life that we were created to live. We access this full life that is available to us when we accept that we are not supposed to be at the center. We're not supposed to be at the center of our lives. We're not supposed to be at the center of our finances. We're not supposed to be at the center of our relationships. We're not supposed to be at the center of our leadership. We're not supposed to be at the center of our parenting. We are not supposed to be at the center. This is what we learn. So here's the question. If we're not at the center, then who's supposed to be at the center? You're at church. The answer is always Jesus, by the way. Say Jesus, right? We know that, right? We know that. But here's the thing. Paul, the Apostle Paul, the first missionary ever, ever who wrote most of the New Testament, Paul, he was writing to a group of Christians uh, in Colossia, and he writes this, because they were tempted to fall back into old patterns of idolatry, etc. He writes this, Colossians chapter 1, verse, uh, starting in verse 15. I'm going I'm to read a little bit of scripture right now. And I just want for you to allow for this to enter your heart. It says this, 
The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything He might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight without blemish and free from accusation. Here it is, simply. Jesus is at the center of it all. He is the main person. He is the main actor. He is the one that started everything. He's the one that sustains everything. And he's the one that's going to continue holding all things together. He is the head of the church. Everything, brothers and sisters, revolves around Jesus. So, not only do we need to come to the realization that we are not at the center, we also have to understand that it is he, Jesus, who is at the center. It's time to recognize this this morning, you know. So this is my message today. It's very simple, very, very simple. Jesus is at the center of it all. That's my message. He's at the center of your marriage. He's at the center of your job. He's at the center of your life. He is at the center of this church. He is at the center of your family. He is at the center of your finances. He's at the center of your health. He is at the center of it all. And you may be saying, no, 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 hold the phone, Pastor. Hold. Stop. Sometimes he's at the center, but sometimes he's not. There are some times where, he, where I allow for him to come into the center of my life and guide my life, but that, those are just like moments. It's like intermittent moments in my life. Let me stop you right there. We just read, he is before all things. We just read that in him, all things hold together. Here's our problem, and I'll say this as respectfully as I can. We are incredibly arrogant. We are very, very arrogant. You see, sometimes there's arrogance that is so arrogant that we can't even realize that we're being arrogant. That's how arrogant we are sometimes. You see, here's the problem. I'll give you an example. I grew up in a church where I love my, I love my church that I grew up in, but here's what we used to say. Phrases like this, and if you've heard these phrases, maybe you, you can understand. Let Jesus rule over you. Hand him over the keys of your life. You need to place Jesus at the throne of your life. Do you see how arrogant that idea is? Do you hear the absurdity in those lines? You see, here's the thing. What we're saying when we say that is, I'm ruling over my life. I'm the ruler of my life. And when I decide, I'm going to let God rule my life. If my life was a car, I'm the dude driving. 
Jesus is in the back seat, and I will see if I want to let him drive for a little bit because this is my car, and I don't want it to get messed up. Or we're saying that I'm sitting on this throne, like my life, and I'm the king of my life, and I'm sitting on this throne in my life, and Jesus is over there. And we're saying, you know what? I'm going to, I don't know, maybe I'll let him sit here for a little bit, but then I'm going to get it right back once I decide for him to no longer be at the throne of my life. Do you even understand the arrogance in that? Very respectfully, I say this. No. Reality check. Jesus has always been in control. He has always been in the driver's seat, and he has always been sitting in the throne. We don't put him there. He is before all things. He's been there long before we showed up, and he will be there long after we are gone. We just read it. In him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. So in the same way that Copernicus, brothers and sisters, in the same way that Copernicus did not bring the sun into the center of the, of the, of the solar system by the, the, the thing that he said, we're not bringing God into the center of everything because we uh, have decided it. What Copernicus was doing is he was just revealing something that had always been true. And that's what I'm trying to do here today. We don't bring God into the center. He's always been over everything. He's always been in the center. We're not called to hand him over the keys of our life. We're not called to put him in control. We're not certainly not called to sit him on the throne of our, of our lives. We are not called to put God at the center, but to wake up to the reality that has been true since the beginning so important. We just read, in him, all things hold together. Jesus is at the center of it all. So here's my question to you. Are you aware of this reality, or are you fighting it? If I ask you who is at the center, you will say Jesus, because that's the church answer. What is this message all about? This message is about letting go of control. That's what this message is all about. It's about saying, you are God, and I am not. You see, something happened when the idea was proposed that the earth was not at the center. Something happened. That's why there was such strong opposition from the Catholic Church. Why was it so hard to admit something that was so obvious? Because it meant that they had to relinquish control. They had to let go of the control that they had over the things that happen in the universe. It's hard to admit, even when something is true. So, so maybe that's how you're feeling right now. I just have to be in control. Guess what? Control has always been an illusion. Always. We are called this morning to let it go. Let go of control? No. Let go of the illusion of control. What happens when we live by the illusion of control? Two things. When we live by the illusion of control, like when we think that we're in control, two things happen. Number one, worry. Number two, anxiety. Anyone here worried? Anyone here feeling Anxious? 
There's a verse for each one. The verses for worry are a little bit longer. I'm going to go through this, Matthew 6. This is such a beautiful, beautiful scripture. I read this at a funeral the other day. Matthew 6, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry by saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. It's all about letting go of the illusion of control. You ever heard someone say, don't worry, it just makes you more mad? Don't worry. Oh, you don't know what I'm going through. Don't say that. Somebody's saying here, he's saying it's an illusion. It's an illusion. Control is an illusion. You see... Losing control is a scary thing. But living with the illusion of control is even scarier. So let it go. Let it go and let the peace come in. Maybe you're here and you're feeling anxious about your finances, about your health, about your future. Maybe there's something in your life that's happening. Maybe there's a big change coming in your life and you're just worried about it. My worry right now is college for my kids. I'm just thinking about it. I just think about it, and I'm like, oh, okay. I have to let that go. Anxiety is the other one. Anxiety is the loss of control, and there's a verse for that too. There's a verse for anxiety. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So you present the request. You let it go. Let the peace come in. Let go of the illusion of control, and you will have peace. You see, prayer, talking about prayer here, you see, prayer is not about getting God to do what we want Him to do. Prayer is about really aligning ourselves with the will of God. It's not to get Him to do what we want to do. It's about getting ourselves to do what He wants. It's a big part of prayer. It's letting go, recognizing that we're not at the center. Let's acknowledge this and let the peace come in. Now I'm going to close with this. So Pastor Mark and I, we've had to do a few funeral, funerals in this past couple of months, and it's been um, hard, but it's been interesting also. You see, when people are at a funeral, one of two things happens. One is the person doesn't want for the person that they love to not be around anymore. And when that happens, people have one of two, well, it's more nuanced than that, but in general, it's, it's, it's two ideas. One is 
the whole idea of you just want to hold on so much. Like, you don't, why did this have to happen? Why? And you're just holding on so hard. You don't want to let go. And you try to hold on and control. And like, why did this happen? Why is it so unfair? Why does this have to happen to me? And then you go through this idea of like, I just want my control back. That's one thing. Then there's the other thing. This is a beautiful thing that happens. Is that there's this peace that comes over. And it's a peace that doesn't happen because now they're all of a sudden, they don't care that the person passed away. It's this peace that has to do with understanding that you've never been in control. And then you hand over the trust to the Lord. And so that's what this message is about today. Because I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're feeling right now. I don't know what thing it is now that you want to hold on to. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's something in your finances. Maybe it's something in your marriage. Maybe someone is sick. Like, I'll tell you right now, my big thing is my kids. My kids are great, but it's my kids. You know, I, I love my kids so much that it hurts. And I, I just don't want anything bad to ever happen to them, and I want them to make the best decisions ever. And it's hard because I want to control them. I want them to do what I say. You know? But then you have to hand it over. And it's, 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 it's driven by love, though. It's because I love them so much that I want to control them. But the other thing is I have to relinquish, let go of my illusion of control and knowing that God loves them more than I do, even if I can't wrap my mind around that. And he's got them. He's got them. Same is true for you. And whatever it is that you're going through right now, God has always been in control. We're not putting him in control. We're recognizing that he's always been in control since the beginning. And we realign our lives around this reality. And guess what? That opens up the door for us to live a life that we were called to live. Well, we're no longer at the center. We're not the main character. It's about Jesus. Jesus is at the center of it all. And so we're going to come into a, a, a time of singing. We're going to sing this song together. And we're going to participate and listen to the words. And as we're singing this song, let's just remember, Jesus is at the center. It's always been you, Jesus. I love that part. It's always been you, Jesus. And so we come to this realization of something that's always been true since the beginning. So why don't you stand as we sing this song together?